Good morning, Springhouse. How are we doing this morning? Good? Yeah? Is God good? All the time? All the time? God is good. If you're joining us on live stream, thank you for joining us this morning. It's a good day to be in the house. Uh, I am excited to see all of your faces this morning. You look so good. Um, I don't know if the, uh, is the show sold out this afternoon? Does anybody know? No, it's not, says Rhonda. So if you are interested uh, in seeing uh, public domain this afternoon, it's your last opportunity to do so in the Fellowship Hall, written by our very own T. Josiah Haynes, and it's good. And so you should, you should make plans to see it if you haven't. And you can see Rhonda Frazier, I would assume, for information about how to buy tickets. Yes? Does that sound good, Rhonda? Okay, or Pastor Will. Uh, you could see him, or you could see me, and I'll send you to one of those two. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I also want to uh, express my gratitude toward the people who serve behind the scenes that made uh, last week's family experience possible. I thought it was a very, very rich time together. Our kids did a great job. And, uh, and so if you didn't get a chance to uh, be a part of that, I encourage you to go back and, uh, via the app and watch that online. I think you, you'll be blessed. And so... <clears throat> Let's get started this morning. Two weeks ago, uh, we kind of laid a foundation for where we're going today uh, and next week. And uh, we kind of got things a little out of order, but I, I really feel like that was the Lord because I think, uh, well, one, the Lord knows what he's doing. That's the first thing. But also uh, the foundation of lordship as Jesus is closing out this, uh, his Sermon on the Mount, this foundation of him being the Lord of our lives plays really uh, well into these two points that he's making right prior. And so uh, I'm glad that we were able to lay that foundation. He is the Lord of your life, I hope, and not just the Lord of the aspects you want him to be a part of, but of all of it. Lord of all of it. Amen? Amen. Are you awake this morning? Okay, good. All right. Would you stand with me and would you read as if you have, oh, I was going to say if you have some sense, <laughs> but that was the wrong thing to say. Uh, as if you're awake. Here we go. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Father, your word is alive. Your word is active. And Father, your word can change our lives if we let it. So I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint every person in this room to hear from you and that transformative things would happen in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Your pastor is going through a season of growth. Your pastor is also going through simultaneously a season of healing, healing on, the, healing on the inside. Do you know that as a believer, all of us should be in a place of growth? Somewhere, somehow, you should be growing. We should all be growing. On our journey somewhere, there should be something that the Lord is doing. Growth indicates life. Growth indicates that there is life. And so if you are living and if you are believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, you should be in some way, some shape, some form growing in him. So my question to you simply is this, are you growing? And if so, where? 
And in what and in what are you growing in? Because he desires to grow us until we reach complete maturity, until we reach the complete fullness of Christ. And has anybody landed there? Okay, nor have I. So we should all be in this journey of growth together. Two weeks ago, I, toward the back end of the message, I read Psalm 23, and I talked about the shepherd. Who is the shepherd? Who is it? The Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David writes this psalm, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. So it is the Lord who shepherds us. And the Lord is given all of these attributes as we see in Psalm 23. He cares for us, provides for us. He sustains us and restores us. He guides us, protects us, covers us, comforts us, encourages us, strengthens us. He gives us purpose and he fills us up. Could any of you all use a little bit of anything on that list this morning? He is, if he is the Lord of your life, then you have access to those things as he provides it. And he doesn't provide it not only in small, not, does he not provide it in small quantities, he provides it in a way where it's everlasting. He provides it in a way that it is full, in a way that you could not conjure up or make up on your own. He, he gives it to us and he gives it so liberally. He is so faithful to us. The Lord is is our shepherd. The Lord's your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And the Lord Jesus Christ in this, in this message, he talks about two pathways. He talks about the narrow path and he talks about the wide path or the narrow road and the wide road. And every one of us are on one of the two roads. Every one of us are on one of the two roads in here. We tend to make the narrow road and the wide road, we tend to take these this idea or, or these two roads, and we tend to make it about sin. If I'm not sinning and I'm doing all the right things, then I must be on the narrow road. If I'm living a sinful life or if I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing, sin, then I must be on the wide road. And, and while there's a degree of truth tied to that, there is much more than meets the eye when Jesus is talking about the narrow road. It's not necessarily entirely about sin. I grew up in a tradition where every week it was battered into our brain that you, if you sin and you do X, Y, and Z, you are going to hell. If you do this, you're going to hell. If you, and you need to fear this God who is going to send you to hell if you're doing X, Y, and Z. So I can't honestly say that as in my adolescence that I wasn't sinning because of the love of Jesus Christ. I was not sinning because I was scared of hell. And I didn't want to go there. But I also didn't have a relationship with God, which makes all of it so much more meaningful. So much. Do you know he is a God who lavishes his love on you? When you woke up this morning and you were thinking about your Fruit Loops, he was thinking about you. You were, his spirit, I believe, was brooding over you as you were sleeping. He loves you so much, he can't get you out of his mind. Isn't that incredible that you have a God who breathes stars that thinks about you and knows you by name? The word tells us that he knows the numbers of hair on your head. It's an incredible, an incredible thing that we have access to this God. It's also an incredible thing the way we treat him. 
and the way we treat that gift. Two weeks ago, we talked about salvation versus lordship. Salvation is the pathway. It is the, the doorway. It is the, the, the opportunity for us to make a decision for him to be the Lord of our lives, for him to be the Lord of our lives. And the way for us to be on the narrow road is only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot be on the narrow road without Jesus. I mentioned uh, two weeks ago that you can't do God's will without God's help. Well, you can't be on the narrow road without God's help either. Over in John 10, it says this, I, Jesus, am the gate for the sheep. Who are the sheep? It's us, we're the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I, Jesus, am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. He continues and he says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you know that there is a mandate? There is a mandate on, from the enemy on your life to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But if you belong to Christ Jesus, he can't touch you. If you belong to Christ Jesus, none of that can impact you in the way that he intends it to impact you. Jesus Christ, his blood covers us. The thief, his job is to kill, steal, and destroy. But this is what Jesus came to do. He says, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Let's make this, uh, let's make this personal. Jesus has come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Life, life. The narrow road isn't about sin. The narrow road is about life. It's about experiencing abundant life in Jesus Christ. Would you look at your neighbor and say life? Now, will you say it like you're not dead? Say life. life. <laughs> Jesus wants you to have abundant life. Are you living a lifestyle in abundance with Jesus Christ? Does your life look abundant in him? And I'm not saying abundant like the world views abundant because that is so shallow compared to his definition of abundant life. But is your life abundant? Is your life full? Or is there something missing? When we make the narrow road just about sin. It is a grotesque diminishment of the awesome power and grace of Jesus Christ. You can't do God's will without God. You can't be on the narrow path without him. So who are we to think that we could be right enough to be on the narrow path? Save Jesus. We need Jesus Christ. It's about abundant life. Let's look at the passage we read again. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to what? Leads to life, and only a few find it. I, I would have to assume that in a room this size, and you coming here this Sunday morning, a majority of you would stand up and proudly say, I've asked Jesus in my heart. I know Jesus Christ. Why then only a few of us might find this narrow path? 
He is the gateway to the narrow path. And the narrow path is where we find life. Jesus is the gateway to an abundant life. All other gateways lead to destruction. All other pathways lead to destruction. His pathway leads to life. In order to know where the gate is, in order to know who the gate is, you've gotta have a relationship with this word. The word tells us that this, wor this word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. Listen, when we follow this word, we end up in places where there's only life. This word tells us about our savior, Jesus Christ. Why then, if it's true that he saved us out of the muck and mire, he saved us from destruction, why do so few Christians actually open this and read it? This is, this is, this is so essential to the Christian's walk. This is essential to your life. To have a relationship to this word is like having breath and air in your lungs. To know about this savior, this God, this indescribable God who does a mighty work in your life. You wonder why there's confusion even in the church? It's because there's not a relationship with his word. Get into his word, church. Get into his word. Fall in love with the pages of this word. Find a Bible, a translation that you will read and start going down that path. And if you're anything like me, I trip up, I miss a few days and then it's like, oh man, well, I might as well give up altogether. No, pick it back up. Start again, start again, start again. And so into the relationship of the one you call Lord. So into the relationship of the one you call Lord. There is always more to be found in God. That's the wonderful thing about God. You think it's over. You think you've come to the end. You think you've explained it enough and there's always something more. Guys, we're a people who like more. We like more. I mean, we go to the Chinese buffet. We like more. There's always more with God. There's so much more with God. And so there must be more when it comes to this concept of the narrow road. I mentioned a little while ago that I'm in a season of growing. And I also said that in order for there to be life, there's got to be growth. But I'd also like to submit to you today, and it's kind of the area that we're gonna camp out as we talk about the narrow road, is this right here. In order to grow, you must learn how to feel. In order to grow, you must learn to feel. Because we have the end of the story in a lot of the characters in the Bible, because we know the outcome, we have a tendency to dehumanize the people we read about. We have a tendency to read and get right to the punch, the punch of the story, the, the point of the story, and we move right along, and we might take a few uh, points or object lessons from it, and we move on. But, but every one of these characters we read about, they were human. They were human beings. And every one of these people in the Bible we read about, they felt things. And we live in a culture, we live in a world 
that wants to rob you from feeling anything. The only thing the world wants you to feel is instant gratification and pleasure at every moment and every turn. And when the pleasure runs out, you find a fix elsewhere and you find some more pleasure. And then you find a fix elsewhere and you find some more pleasure. But do you know that there are more feelings out there than pleasure, empty pleasure at that? And God will allow you, listen to this. This is a misconception. God will allow you to walk through and feel some things so that he can put you on the pathway to healing. And when we run away from the opportunity to grow in him and not feel the things that he is allowing us to experience and feel, then we rob ourselves of the ability to experience true, full, abundant life. So I ask you again, are you experiencing abundant life? I talked about characters in the Bible who felt, let's look at a couple of them, Jonah. Jonah was in the middle of a fish. I'm, I, he felt some things. He felt some things. And not only did he feel some things, over in Jonah chapter two, I'm not gonna read this whole thing, but at the top, he says this, in my distress, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. And of course, you know the story, the fish spits Jonah up on the, the dry land and you know what? Two chapters later, Jonah's angry with God. He's angry. He's experiencing anger because God did what he is known to do. And he says, after he decided to relent on Nineveh, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life away, for it is better for me to die than to live. Have you ever felt that way? Ever felt like it was better to die than to live? What about David, King David, a man after God's heart? Boy, he probably didn't feel anything. He was just, had everything in check and balanced. The man after God's own heart made several missteps, made several missteps. And over in Psalm 69, out of the pit of what he was feeling, he says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I come into the deep waters, the floods engulf me. I am worn out by calling for help. My throat is parched, my eyes fell looking for my God. I'm telling you, this Psalm is not like this. David is feeling some things and he's crying out to his God. Our Lord Jesus Christ felt things. Jesus felt anger at the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Jesus felt exhaustion from ministry. Jesus felt disgust from greed and racism and oppression. He felt sorrow from sin and death. He felt the frustration for slow learners and lack of faith. He felt compassion for the lost. He felt agony when he was asked to do what he was asked to do in the garden. 
He felt empathy, the pain of others. And he felt forgiveness in the midst of betrayal. Jesus Christ felt things. And we have a tendency, we have a tendency to put at bay anything that would make us feel anything other than. And we bury it, we push it down, and we say, I'm living my best life. And Jesus says, no, you're not. No, you're not. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. Guys, come on out. Usually we start out in life, could be at any point, adolescence, teenage years, maybe even into adulthood, and we've been introduced to this world, and this world is breeding with distraction and things for us to gravitate toward, things for us to grab hold of and fill our lives up with. And a lot of those things, guys, can I, just, can I just level, can I just be real with you for a second, James? Sin feels good. It does. If sin did not feel good, Cornelius, we would not do it. Sin looks good, it feels good, it tastes good. We desire it from time to time, but it never lasts. It never lasts. And as we are out in life, fooling ourselves by taking on all the vices and all these things in the world, what's happening in our spiritual self and in our life is we are putting weight into our life that we were never intended to carry. And so we just take and take and consume. And when something runs out in the world, which it always does, we find something else to fill our time with to fill our life with. And we will pick up things and we'll offer it to others. We'll pick up what other people are carrying, don't we? And join in with them, as long as it makes us feel good, look good, seem good. And we'll put it in our life and we'll carry it around. Let's put it on and carry it around. And, And you know what? This isn't too bad until you're carrying it for several years. And we walk around life like we've got it all together, and then the limp starts. And then the health issues start. And the ickiness starts. And I don't don't really like the way this weight feels. I don't really like the way this weight feels, so let me get me some drugs because that will soothe the pain for a few moments. Or let me, let me engage in sexual activity because that, that brings a lot of pleasure to me. Or let me, you know, gluttony is really my thing. If I could just eat my way out of this, I don't have to think about the pain and the weight that I've been carrying around. And for a season, guys, sometimes that season is years. It feels okay, but all you've done is numbed by placing a temporary solution to a seemingly permanent issue. Only God's permanent solution can solve the permanent issues in your life. And he has the perfect solution that will eradicate every issue and problem you have. 
And so we're gonna be strong and we're gonna carry this thing around. We're gonna get it all together. And eventually, we find ourselves isolated and alone and depressed and nobody knows it because it looks like this. I'm doing great, but I'm dying. I'm dying. And at some point as the weight gets so heavy, somewhere along the road, somewhere along the line, there is this introduction to Jesus where the Holy Spirit of God says, who you are is so much more than what you're carrying. And you get this introduction to Jesus and you have an opportunity, a choice to just make the faintest turn toward him. And if you'll just turn just a little bit, he's right there. He's right there. He doesn't make you clean yourself up. He doesn't even make you take the weight off. The Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And so we call Jesus and he's right there. And Jesus starts to say some things to you that you never heard before. Maybe they were said to you by him before, but you didn't listen. But now you are so distraught and so weak that he begins to say some things to you about you that you haven't really heard before that changes everything. And in that process, he begins to say, I would like to take the weight off of your shoulders and wear it for myself. And so he takes the weight that you've been carrying for all these years and he puts it on himself. I want you to imagine for just a second, you were carrying this backpack for years and somebody took it off your back. You would feel like you were floating in air. You feel alive, you feel free. And unfortunately, brothers and sisters, listen to me. This is where we stop. We're still on the wide road. Jesus is here. He's taken the, 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 the weight off of us, but we're still right here. And we think we've got it. We're saved. And Jesus says, no, I, I have abundant life for you. I have abundant life to offer you. This is not abundant life. This is just a moment in time where you can be cognizant enough and spiritually in tune enough for me to do a work in your life. And so Jesus takes you by the hand and he begins to lead you toward abundant life. But Jesus, wait, abundant life is over there. Wait, Jesus, Jesus, you're doing this wrong. We're supposed to be going that way. That's where abundant life is. Jesus, G Jesus, wait, d d yeah, what? Why are you pulling me away from abundant life? And he brings you over here. Let me tell you what that was. Let me tell you what that was. From here to there, that is, he's having you lay down relationships. 
He's having you lay down jobs that you weren't supposed to have. He was having you lay down the vices and all of the things that you, and guess what? It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good, but he's got you hand by hand and you can trust him. And he'll get you to a place where you feel just uncomfortable enough where you have no choice but to keep in lockstep or eyes with him or go back to where you were. And so Jesus is here and he's leading you and all of a sudden he puts you on this narrow path and you see Jesus and all of a sudden you look square in the eyes to rejection and hurt and you realize that the rejection and hurt that you experienced in your life is what drove you to the vices in the first place. And Jesus says, I'm not just gonna supernaturally remove these out of your life. He can do that, but most of the time he doesn't do that. He says, what you did is you got hurt, you were rejected and you turned to something else except for me. So you're gonna go back and face these again feel these again, but except for this time, you get to call out to me and I'm gonna save you and you're gonna have a breakthrough. Does anybody here need a breakthrough in your life from things that are from the past? And so I'm looking at Jesus and I'm saying, Jesus, I, I don't want to go through this rejection and hurt and pain again. He says, if you go back to that spot, I am right here. I am right here. And so you, you muster up the courage and the strength because, because on that journey, you got into this. And let me tell you what this told you on the journey. It said things like this, blessed am I when people hate me. When they exclude me and insult me and reject my name as evil because of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day because great is my reward in heaven. The Word of God says stuff like this. I cry out and the Lord hears me. He delivers me from all my troubles. The Lord is close to my broken heart and saves me when I'm crushed in spirit. The Word of God says this. Though my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will always take me in. The Word of God says, if God is for me, who can be against me? And so you have been strengthened, encouraged, and equipped to face this battle right here with your eyes focused on Jesus. And so you begin to take it on. And it doesn't feel good. And it's pushing back on you, but you are feeling it. And you reach out and call Jesus. And, you, and he takes you from it. And you are delivered from it. And there's a breakthrough. Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. That hurt. That rejection hurt. But I am free because of you. You love me. You mend my wounds. You set my feet on the right path. And he spends time with you here as you mend those wounds, as you become whole, and you start to, you start to be confident in him because of his goodness and his mercy. And all of a sudden, as you turn and you look, Jesus on that narrow path, he has brought you again to something that you need a breakthrough from. And so this time you're looking at lies and you're looking at confusion because somebody in your life told you that you were something that you're not. Somebody lied to you and said that you were underneath instead of above. Somebody lied to you and said that you were worthless. Somebody lied to you and said you do not belong 
And then this is also the place of confusion where all the why questions happen. Why did that person leave me? Why did that person have to die? Why, God, would you allow my kids to have to experience this because of their brokenness? And you ask these questions and it doesn't feel good. But you ask these questions because last time you asked those questions, you just covered it up with some vice. But this time, you've got the Savior of the world on your side. This time, when you face this and you go through this battle, he's going to be on the other side of it to make sure you make it all the way through. And he's going to refute the lies and the confusion with his word. How is he going to do that? Because his word says this, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I will know the truth and what? The truth will set me free. We're talking about life, people. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's room. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Somebody here needs to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you. Your works are wonderful. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And for those we have lost and have gone before, there is a hope that we can lean into that says he will wipe every tear from my eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old stuff has passed away. The Lord is making all things new. And so we cling to the truth that Jesus has placed in our life and our heart and we have to combat the lies and the confusion and we start to fight against them and we don't like it and it doesn't feel good. And we say, Jesus, save me. And again, because he's always faithful. He never relents. He never gives up. He is always constant. He's always there. He rescues you from the lies and the confusion and he speaks truth and he gives you clarity. And so once again, you're there, not understanding everything, but learning so much more. You're a little bit stronger on the narrow road. And then he brings you to the next thing, which is unforgiveness. Oh God, but you don't know the pain that they put me through. God, you don't understand you don't understand the abuse. You don't understand the lies. You don't understand what they did, God. And Jesus says, I understand it all. But in order for you to be free, you have to forgive. You have to let it go and let them go. And before you were running to everyone else who was slandering and talking bad about them and God said, no, forgive them and release it because there's freedom on the other side. And you start to get into his truth and he says things like this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I don't understand why they did what they did. And when I stand praying, if I hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that my father in heaven might forgive me. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave. Love my enemies. Do good to those who hate me. 
Jesus, I don't want to fight this battle. I don't want to forgive them. I want them to be paid back for what they did to me. Why do I have to feel it and they don't? Jesus says, that's for me to worry about. You need healing. You need freedom. And so you choose to fight. This fight is probably one of the hardest ones in your life. And it knocks you down. And you get back up and you keep fighting against it. And you're so mad and you go, Jesus, help me. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus says, I won't let you go. I won't let you go. You have forgiven them. And God says, I've forgiven you. And you are free. And so you're on this narrow path. And you're going down it. And you've been through rejection and hurt. You've laid that down and been healed. You combated the lies and the confusion. You've forgiven them. Never in a million years did you think you would get to the place or have the strength to forgive, but he gave it to you to do. And you're spiritually exhausted from going through this. You're like, Lord, how much more is there? And then Jesus is there. He's right there. I see him face to face. And he has me confront that one big thing. That one big thing. Not that. I can't do this. I can't do this. And so we go back so quickly. We say, forget it. I'm done. I'm done. I, I, I can't do it anymore. And we go, we pick up the weight. And we go back to the vices. We're confused. And we run. Knowing how good it was, we run. Because we can't possibly think to face that one big thing. And because we won't face it, and because we've been introduced to the truth, all we find is ourselves isolated and alone and broken and depressed. And we need a savior. I need a savior. And Jesus comes and he sits beside you. And he says, I'll sit here as long as it takes. Doesn't condemn you for running away. He doesn't get mad at you. He says, I'll sit here with you as long as it takes. Jesus, I'm so scared of what they might think. I'm so scared of tackling that mountain. And Jesus says, it's a molehill. It's so small with me by your side. But God, you don't understand. I've had to contend with that for however many years. And I don't want to cross that bridge. I'm scared. He says, I know, I'm here with you. Fear not. I'm right here.
I'm right here. And child, on the other side of that one big thing is a life that you never thought possible. And so convinced that Jesus will be with you, he wipes your tears and he takes again the heaviness and he puts it on himself. And he helps you up out of that muck and that mire. And he leads you. And you think once again, Jesus, wait a second, abundant life is over there. But yeah, he takes you back over here. But friends, can I tell you that this time, it's not about looking at all the things that you have to contend with. This time, Jesus wants to remind you of the victory that you had every single time so that you have the strength that you need to combat that one big thing. Jesus, this is gonna be hard. Will you help me? And so you go at it and you begin to fight. And you begin to fight. And this one is a battle like none other. And you're fighting and you want through so bad, so bad. And they knock you down, but you get back up. And you go again and you wear yourself out to the point where you are weak. Because the word says, when you are weak, he is strong. And you get down to the point where you are so weak and you cry out and you say, Jesus, save me, Jesus. And he pulls you through. He pulls you through. And because of the goodness of God, you say, I am not worthy to even wash your feet, God. Yet he still pulls you up. The word tells us that when we acknowledge him, his father acknowledges us. In the midst of all of that, he bestows an honor to us when we walk in obedience to him. Friends, I want you to see now how wide the narrow road actually is when you have victory in Christ Jesus. The wide road of abundant life that you have in Christ Jesus that will change your life and change others' lives. But you have to be willing to feel. You have to be willing to go back to that hurt place. And when you do, a newfound meaning to this verse comes to mind. The boundary lines of my life have fallen in pleasant places. I don't want to go back to the pit. I want to stay on the narrow road. I want to stay right here because it's where Jesus is and it's where abundant life is. I told you earlier that I am in a growth season and I'm in a healing season. My dad had a heart attack two weeks ago and few of you may know my dad. I don't have a very strong relationship with him. But I went to go see him uh, when he had his heart attack. I booked a, a day flight. I, I hadn't really conversed with him in six years, really. We had some text interchange, but um, I got on the plane and I intended on working on emails and I pull up my laptop. 
I just start to cry. And I'm like, what is this? And of course, initially I'm concerned about this lady right here has no idea what's going on. I cried for three hours. And 45 minutes in, I was in a text conversation with a friend and the Holy Spirit used this friend to say to me, God wants to heal places inside you that you don't even know need healing. And I believe it. And I don't know what that looks like. I'm, I'm, I'm raw on this journey, friends. <laughs> There'll be a testimony one day, but here's the thing. I can choose not to go on that journey. It's easy. Or I can choose to go through it. But let me tell you why I'm choosing to go through it. I'm choosing to go through it because of all this other stuff. His goodness and His mercy met me every single time. And so if His faithfulness stands up to who He says He is, and I believe that, then it means, man, there's going to be some pain. There's going to be some tears. There's going to be some heartache. But if I will go through that, it's guaranteed on the other side, there's going to be some goodness and mercy I've never touched before. And I'm looking forward to that. And guys, it's going to hurt. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm going to be a mess. And then I'm going to come preach. <laughs> <clears throat> There's healing here today if you need it. You may have thought you were on the narrow road because you were doing the right thing, but God wants to go deeper with you. Might you make a commitment today that would change the trajectory of your life forever? I don't even have time to talk about how me going through this is actually gonna affect the next generation of my kids. The ripple effect and the, con the positive consequences of being obedient and walking where the Lord will lead you. Guys, there's so much more when it comes to God. Is He the Lord of your life? Do you understand He has abundant life available for you? Or are you just messing around? Would you stand with me today? Would those who are going to minister and pray with people come forward? And if you're here today and you need a touch from an almighty God who sees you right where you are, if you need an almighty God to come sit and put his hand around your neck, his arm around your neck, he'll do that today. You choose whether you leave here the same way you came. Let's worship.